Hello and welcome to my very special episode of Canvas. My name you will never know because I will not tell you what it is. Rather, I will speak to you for the duration of this podcast and then I will leave. When I return one day, you will have changed. But only, only if you listen and take heed of my advice for you right now. So we begin. Now every story has a beginning, a middle and an ending. So how do we begin this story? Well, that is very curious. When we are born, our story begins. So how about we begin with the birth of you? Yes, the birth of you. You see, when you are born, as just a little baby, when you took your first breath and you saw light for the first time, unfiltered by a womb, the light of a room. At that moment, you were immersed in this thing we call reality. In that immersion, you began to understand and recognize the things around you. The eyes of your mother, the feel of her skin on yours. The smell of the room, now that your nostrils were clear of fluids that were in the room. All of these things impressing themselves upon your senses. And there in your teeny tiny little baby brain, you are translating this sense data. Your mind, you could see the world for the first time. You could feel it, smell it, hear it in clarity. All of it translated in your mind from the sense data. And this is the distinction for what is in your mind 
is this translation and not the thing itself. The thing itself is beyond translation. We cannot sufficiently write down what a thing is and accurately translate it through communication to another person. For example, if I point to an object such as a snake, a slivering snake, and I say, that is a snake, you, even though you may see this very same snake that I see, at the same time you see the snake in a different light than I do, from a different perspective. Your entire aesthetic experience of the snake is rather different from mine. And so neither of us know the same snake. All our language is reducible to this intersubjective attempt at communication. Our attempt to translate what is in our mind to another mind. And so we know all of this language is insufficient. Now you may say, well, what about mathematics? Is two plus two not equal to four? Is this not a truth that we can agree upon? Can we not build some kind of reality? Those are these. Can we not build the nature of the world from mathematics? In fact, no, we cannot. For maths, you see, at closer scrutiny, is in fact imperfect. How could that be, you say? You point to two objects, and you point to another two objects, and then you add them together, and you have four objects. Maths, therefore, is true before it occurs, and so we can make accurate scientific prediction with it. That may be the case when counting apples and oranges, and it may be the case in order to build great technology that can take us to the moon or create the type of devices that allow me to record a podcast of this nature. However, if you do look at maths with greater scrutiny, you will find that it is in fact imperfect. Take, for example, the square root of 2. When you break down the square root of 2 as an equation, you will find that, in fact, it is an irrational equation. And yet, 
We can look at a square of one centimeter by one centimeter and when we do we can see that it translates with our set the sense data translates with our understanding of reality it scales and yet maths cannot account for it this of course is only one amongst countless problems in maths some of which are famous and yet many will never be known thus it is so that maths is not true prior to its currents but rather it is an approximation a language like English yes maths can be predictive however it is not so predictive that it can predict the entire nature of reality as it cannot even translate a simple square and so to rely on maths as a foundation to discern truth is ridiculous now what is truth then if we cannot assert anything true about the nature of reality through language is there even such a thing as truth is truth itself not a name that we have created with language that does not accurately represent anything much like the number one does not represent anything then why are we talking about truth well truth is convenient and practical for day-to-day -day life and it is convenient and practical for science and technology but is truth in fact the foundation of anything is there even a foundation as such what is a foundation what is what what is what what is the first word that we know of or why why is what the first word well i would say why is in fact why is why the first word then well if you consider it our immediate understanding of reality is a question everything we see 
for example, with our eyes, demands an answer. If we see a door open and then close, we want to know why the door opened and closed. If the answer is not apparent to us, a question arises. Now there is an answer to the question, and the answer is always the same. The answer to the question why is purpose. There is a purpose to why the door opened and closed. Even if it is not apparent to us why the door opened and closed, we can deduce that there is a purpose to why. Purpose can be the only answer to why. Why did anything happen? because there was a reason for it to happen, a purpose. So what happened? The door opened and shut. This word, what, which I brought up before, why, is a name. The name what is the name of an incident such as what? Why is the door opening? What? I don't know what's happening. What is this? What can you tell me about this incident? What is happening to me? What is going on with that door? The word what can be used in many, many different ways. However, it is a name of a process. What, what, what? A question. What, however, is an extrapolation of the first question. Why? Every single question is an attempt to gauge knowledge of what is occurring. So what is occurring? Time. Everything moves in time. There is no object that is not moving in time. There is no thing that is completely inert 
for if there were, we would not even know of it. It could not belong to reality, for reality itself is time. The perpetual motion of all these things, the perpetual motion of all these things imposes the sense data onto our mind, which I spoke of earlier. And when it does, it imposes, and when it does, it demands the question, why? Why does the door open? What caused the door to open? What is a refinement of the question why, a more specific way of asking? But why is always the first question. It is the foundation of all our language. Everything extrapolates from why. Everything extrapolates from why. And why is always answered by purpose. What was the purpose of the door opening? Why did the door open? Purpose. And then purpose, once you have discerned it to the best of your ability, imposes a new question, why? Why, why, why? Thus, the nature of reality is why. Why, 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 why? Why? Why does this reality deceive us into believing 2 plus 2 equals 4? And why does it deceive us to extrapolate an entire system called mathematics, which appears to be mostly logical, and yet, upon scrutiny, is not a perfect system? Why? Has reality done this? Why are we brought into this reality where everything deceives us and tricks us?
Why have we led to believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is perfect proof where upon closer scrutiny we can tell maths is not perfect proof? Does this not throw the entire mathematical system into doubt? Does it not? And yet, despite all of this, there are those who believe they have concluded the question of why. It appears that many have concluded the answer is nothing. Nothingness. This is the answer to why many claim nothingness. And yet, where have they discerned this nothingness? Where does it come from? Nothingness appears when things change. For example, If you have a bowl of three apples and you take one apple from the bowl, you now only have two apples. You take another apple from the bowl, you only have one apple. Finally, you take the last apple from the bowl. You now have zero apples, nothing. This is the foundation of nothingness. And yet, is there actually nothing in the ball? Is there not space in the ball? But space is nothing, you say? Hmm? No, that is not the case. For space itself is moving along with us in this reality. It is interconnected with all of us, with all material, if we are to call it that. To the extent that space itself must necessarily be material. For an analogy, imagine pushing your hand through water. The water cannot prevent your hand from moving around. In the same regard, space cannot prevent us from moving around in it. Perhaps a better analogy would be a fish swimming in an ocean. To the fish, water is space. But of course to us, the water is material. And yet we delude ourselves into believing that space itself is some kind of void that we exist in. A void. But is this not ridiculous? 
For if it were a void, and we asserted, was, we asserted that it was a void, it would no longer be a void. For a true void, a complete state of nothingness, it would have to be undisrupted, inert. And so to assert a void, in fact, turns nothing into a thing. The name nothing, the answer given to the question why, by these nothingness advocates, is a thing in itself. It is the space left when we move the apple out of the bowl. It is a thing. Nothing is a thing. It is a name of an event that occurs in a reality that we recognize and we can name to the best of our ability So, why are you concluding the question to why with nothingness? Well, you may ask, is there not some event where nothingness takes place? Yes, maybe there is, but if so, it is nothing to do with us. For if it were to exist, it would have to exist in and of itself. In fact, to assert anything about it is, like I said, defining it, naming it, and thus disrupting any potential state of inert perfection that nothingness would demand. So what is the conclusion to why? Like I said, the conclusion to why is purpose. It is only purpose every time. Why did the apple move from the bowl? Because I put my hand into the bowl, picked up the apple and moved it. I have given a purpose to why I did that. Because I decided to. Why did I decide to? To demonstrate an example. Why did you decide to demonstrate an example? Because I wanted to help teach you. Why did I want to help teach you? 
because the state of the world right now is one of uncertainty. And this uncertainty is due to this conviction that our species has in nothingness. Nothingness, an ancient language here, dating all the way back, all the way back, thousands and thousands of years. We have watched the history of philosophy create so many different systems, so many different interpretations of reality, the universe, what have you, this, that, and yet it is all rooted in these errors. And that is the humor of reality, in fact. Like I asked at the beginning of this podcast, why does reality deceive us with mathematics? Almost like a trick, an intentional trick. Is it so? We follow the guidelines that have been set to us to build and create these beautiful things. Take music, for example. Music is maths, or at least it appears to us as such. From maths, we can deduce tonality, harmony, and so music waited for us in reality to find it. And so, as we have evolved and created greater technologies with maths, we have created more music. We have discerned all the potential of music. So music, the harmony of sound, the disharmony of sound, the tonality, the atonality, and everything that goes on between these forces. It is a good example of how beauty awaited discovery. So, is our purpose not to discern greater beauty? 
If the reason why anything happens, is purpose. Then this purpose leads us to beauty. The experience of beauty. But then what is beauty? A beautiful work of music may await us, and yet, if you think about it, it is in fact an error, for there can be no perfect piece of music. There is no perfect circle. The ratios of music are geometric, and yet we know that we cannot square this circle. What does that mean? It means the access to the pure definition of mathematics is far, far beyond us, if it even exists. Clearly, the absolute perfection of mathematics is not possible due to, at least not possible in our language, from our ontological perspective, due to the fact of the square root of two, as I pointed out earlier. However, the fact that we can see of one centimeter by one centimeter square in and of itself with our senses, with our eyes, we can feel it, we can hear the square if we throw it across the room, we can even change the base number from 10 to 12 to 14 and yet we'll still find these same problems in any of them, and yet still the square will be there. So we can do this, which means we can deduce that the thing that is translating reality in our mind or in our brain or whatever, the thing that is receiving and translating the sense data from that the reality has imposed upon it, that thing already has a prior knowledge of a square to reference against. And yet, that thing that is being referenced against is not mathematics, but some greater harmonic precedent. To sort of return to music, the harmony of music, which for us we can create through mathematics is in fact imperfect. It is not pure harmony, there is error in the music. We cannot reach 
absolute perfection we cannot re we cannot create a perfect fluid sine tone in the shape of a circle for there is no perfect circle so you see if you have a square with four points and then you curve that square down to eight points then 16 points then 32 points in order to try and make a circle then you get all the way down and down and down and down eventually where will it go? you cannot make an infinite circle you cannot have a circle without any points in mathematics and geometry So what is perfection? Perfection is the thing that we come in with here. That is the harmonic precedent. That is what we arrive with as babies. That is why a baby can see, hear, smell, and ask why this is the thing asking why so we can conclude in that regard that why is this thing asking why this thing that is us to experience the answer to the question purpose What is the purpose of life? That is the answer. What? Why? Why is the purpose of life? Our perpetual eternal curiosity in time as it moves. What is time? Reality. And yet time is also the motion of all things in perpetual creation and destruction. If you have a house and then you swing one of those bulldozer things into it or whatever, you no longer have a house. The house has been destroyed. It is now a pile of rubble and bricks. But in its destruction, you have created a pile of rubble and bricks. And yet, what was the house before it was even created? 
It was a pile of rubble and bricks. And yet what were those before the bricks were created? And so on, and so on. At every instance of reality we have this motion. Creation, destruction. Destruction, creation. One and the same. This is what is inducing motion onto the material world. And this motion is what creates the perception of time. The motion of all things together. Now, if the perception was being perceived by nothing, then would it be perceived at all? And if the perceiver is nothing, then is the perception of nothing not disrupting itself? Hmm? Is it not? Therefore, the perceiving thing itself is not nothing either. For we know that nothing is a name for an event in a reality. And so, the thing that is perceiving, which is not an event in a reality, but rather a perceiver of an event, therefore cannot be a thing, therefore is not no thing, nothing. This thing, if we are to give it a, na a name of sorts, is I. I am Funny. I am very funny. I have just recorded a 43-minute podcast of sorts in this voice for you with probably some of the deepest philosophy you will ever hear. And yet, is this not more sufficient for our hypermodern reality? as we have been calling it, then writing it down in a book that nobody will ever read, since nobody reads books anymore. And who can blame them when books are long-winded, pretentious somewhat? Anywho, I will sign out of this podcast now, but before I go, I want to say one final thing. That is, 
Everything I have said has been in error. For, as I said much earlier in the podcast, there are no words that can sufficiently translate reality. We can only approximate in our communication. Even the word approximate, in fact, what is it? Can we even define it sufficiently? Or can we only approximately define it? So, what I have given you, in fact, is just another long, boring, philosophical system that is not true, and yet did it not inspire something in you? Much like every philosophical system that has ever been devised can do in people, has nothingness, not induced various shades of creative passion and aesthetic experience in people, Does the mathematical sum of 2 plus 2 equals 4 as an aesthetic truth, does that not inspire some kind of reaction in you? And what about 2 plus 2 equals 5? Does that not inspire a reaction? We can say these things, we can say 2 plus 2 equals 5, and yet we know that both 2 plus 2 equals 5 and 2 plus 2 equals 4 cannot be asserted as pure truth. So what is it? Like music, the results of mathematics, a language, what we have is beauty, poetry, language. So why did I recall all of this if I know that what I said was ultimately going to be an error? Well, that is the question you can ask yourself. Why? Why? 